Welcome to Sendoku Book Club, where we finally get to the books that have been sitting on our shelves for forever. I'm Leif Nelson. And I'm Tim Everson. And Emily is no longer with us. It's sad, really. <laughs> it really is. Tim, why don't you explain, since you seem to have a better idea of what happened to her. Well, you know, it's some people just aren't cut out for it. And I've just noticed it. You know, I've, I've guessed it here multiple times. Some people have the, that mindset, that grind set, and Emily didn't have it. Didn't have the grind set, and I'm just here to say I'm here to rise, I'm here to grind, <laughs> I'm here to put in that work that I feel like, honestly, the show has been lacking. All right. Well, um, some of you might find this a controversial decision to take um, one of our two listeners and make them a, a host for the show, but I think honestly, uh, it's it's the right decision going forward. And what you may not know is I'm a very vain person, and we'll still continue to listen to the podcast <laughs> even if I'm on every episode. I used to, I used to listen to the podcast, and then it just stopped. I was like, yeah, I, 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 I listen to it. <laughs> it's you also edit it, and yeah, that yeah, is yeah. A, that is a second <laughs> listen. If I had to edit it, I, perhaps I would be a, a, a of a different mindset, but yeah. I still want to hear how just freaking funny i am i'm only every time so i guess i'm only halfway on that grind set but i think that's going to be enough so speaking of people who are on that grind set um (laughs) this week the episode i'm talking about hp lovecraft and not just any hp lovecraft i'm talking about uh oh first sorry i i misread the uh description of this, this book. I thought it was the complete H.P. Lovecraft. It is not. It is just the H.P. Lovecraft collection Classic Tales of Cosmic Horror. It is a 900-page book of roughly probably about 200 short stories. Maybe a few, bit less, because there are a few, like, no, there's like a novella or two in there. Call that a thick boy. Yes. It really is. It is probably this or another... Christmas gift of mine might be the biggest. I've got this in a Charles Dickens anthology of like Tale of Two Cities and Christmas Carol and things like that. So, which is also on the list. I I think I've said before that I'm splitting that one up. There is no way I am going to read uh, all of that Dickens. Um, you just can't. Setting. You can't. <laughs> you can't fit the whole Dickens in. You gotta space it out. It's yeah. just too much Dickens for one sitting. Yeah. So. Uh, I got this book in 2016, Christmas of 2016, uh, same year as the when I got the Ghost in the Shell um, comic book that I did a few months back, um, and from my memories of that Christmas, it was a very good Christmas for gifts, and this year is the first I've read any of them. <laughs> uh, I remember thinking like, oh, that's, that's good. Um, but yeah, Ghost in the Shell in this one, and I know I have a few others. I can't remember if Dickens was from that year, but so haven't touched this in a while. I have read some Lovecraft before for some lit class. I don't remember what. Um, might have been an American lit class. No, that doesn't sound right. I think I read it for a fantasy class that I took with another listener of the show, Jamie. Hi. <laughs> Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for making it, for getting us onto your Spotify wrapped. Uh, that was fun. Um, but 
uh, the, the, what I read in Lovecraft of Lovecraft before was the color out of space, which is a pretty famous one got turned into a movie with, uh, Nicholas Cage recently, uh, a few years back and, um, shadow over Innsmouth, which is kind of like one of the, probably the more well-known like Cthulhu verse stories. The, the Cthulhu or text, if you will. Well, I don't know if it's the first or text. <laughs> That's what you're going to get with Tim on the show. Just dynamite drop-ins of words that he thinks he has a fairly decent idea of what they mean. And he may use them correctly. He may be a little bit off. Yeah. And unfortunately, Leaf is just smart enough to be able to point those out. <laughs> um, no, I don't know what the first... Um... Cthulhu story is and I really like I f with all of these stories that I was reading I didn't know like when they were in publication date uh in regard to anything the introduction gave no reason or rhyme or reason for like why or when they placed what stories so I'm kind of just guessing based on what they um put um this is a 900 page book I read I think the least I've ever read for one of these, which is 100 pages. That is as far as I could get. When I first started open open this up, I was like, okay, 900 pages. If I read, like, 50 pages every other day or so, I'll just kind of get through it, and it'll be fine. Not the case. Uh, <laughs> I could not handle it. A, a knife. You. <laughs> you yeah. You're a... Are, are, you, are you a quitter? Are you a book quitter? Uh, well... I say that I am, mm -hmm. in that technically I don't have anything against it. I have quit books before, um, and it and it is something that I had to work up to. But there is also a part of me that, like, if a book is bad enough, I'll keep reading just to experience the the terribleness of it. Marinate in the terrible juices. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think of a good example of it. Um, like there are books I've read for. Um, 372 pages which is like a bad book podcast so like ready player one ready player two that sort of thing um but there are ones i've read for myself where it's just so bad actually one of them is one that i originally read for this podcast but then there were like seven months before we recorded our very first episode because we had we had the idea we got the stuff and then we just like put it off uh theme of the show and uh, I've never gone back to it. I, I would like to reread it and regale you with the highlights and lowlights of that stories because it was actually a, it was a it was a trilogy of books, sci-fi books, all set in the same universe, and they are exquisitely bad. <laughs> I don't remember the title, but we'll we'll get back to that. So yes, I do quit books. Um, took a while for me to get to that. I also very recently. I feel like I have to relearn this every time I quit podcasts. I used to like stick with podcasts even after I was kind of like, man, I I haven't listened to the past three of these that I was playing and had on. I don't remember it. I wasn't paying attention. I think it's I think it's time to say goodbye. And folks, <laughs> we at Sunduku Book Club don't recommend you quit podcast, especially not this one. Well, not this one. We, we, um, well, here, let me say this. I don't think we put enough episodes out for you to get sick of us. So think of us as that nice little surprise that pops up every once in a while. 
We are recording this in, in December, and hello to you fine folks in February. <laughs> that is incredibly likely. So <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. Um, but I, I will quit books. Long story short, yes. Um, so this one, I so what, what I guess I would say is that this is not interesting enough for me to keep my attention. It's not bad enough for me or it didn't grab my attention in a bad way for me to be like oh yeah let's read this next stinker um and keep going um because i know that lovecraft well from the introduction i know that a common critique of lovecraft is he has extremely purple prose he just like goes all out i don't find it like especially off-putting i think because there's there's something to like an old-timey like writing style that feels kind of like sterile or like standoffish to me and so that purple prose if anything is kind of like it brings it down enough in a good way to make it like okay i understand what's going on um here yeah i don't know uh just quickly out of curiosity do you have any experience with lovecraft like reading him or anything like that i don't think i've read uh any any lovecraft um and honestly, I'm not sure if I have seen, and maybe you can set me straight, um, if there are any major adaptations that I'm not remembering, but I don't think that I've really seen any of his stuff adapted. I'm aware of stuff like uh, Color Out of Shape. Yep. Yeah. Color Out of Space. Space. Color Out of Shape. Is... Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I know that... Uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. is rumor, not rumor. He said that he's he been would, talking about that for would years. like to do uh, from the mouth of madness, the mouth of madness, mountains of madness, mountains of madness. I just yeah. saying <laughs> shit. Um, but and I, I I know that he's a kind of a a, a, a stodgy mm-hmm. gentleman, and uh, uh, I, I know some other of his you shortcomings know the, that you know I'm the sure name will of his be. Cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 aware okay. of it. So, but you should tell the folks though. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> they can Google it. Um, the thing about Lovecraft, which may surprise some of you, he's extremely racist. This is not me saying like, oh, hey, this is the thing about him. Like, I mean, to be fair, yeah. Like, I guess a thing to consider if you're going to read him, he's extremely racist. Um, I knew this. I know the name of his cat. I know, like, things he said. I know um, that he's extremely racist and anti-Semitic, despite being married to a Jewish woman. Um, And just in general, not a good guy. Here's something I learned as I was reading the stories. uh, So in the 100 pages I read, I read 18 short stories. um, Which one thing, I, I guess the thing I'll say, he doesn't usually outstay his welcome he like he kind of like gets in there tells a quick story and gets it out um in fact the ones that i found the most boring were the longer ones but the thing i learned in those 18 short stories he is extremely racist (laughs) um like i think that only about three or four of my the stories i read explicitly featured like non-white people no, five or six, because there were a few that were, like, ancient peoples, but, like... So he's not talking about, like, Africans, but, like, he'll describe someone, and you're kind of like, I think I think that's what he's saying, 
I'm not sure. Um, there's one where he talks about Eskimo, um, for example. But he is so racist, you can tell even when there aren't non-white people in the stories. <laughs> he is so racist. How that racist is he? He's so racist that in a story about a like Appalachian redneck brought to an insane, asi- insane asylum is described as so far regressed and so wild that he's worse than the Indians. That's how racist he is. In some ways, it was really fascinating reading the stories because I felt like I understood his views on race more than I did ever hearing other people talk about him. Usually when I... The stuff I had heard about him and race were that he's racist, that there is a huge fantasy literary award called the Lovecraft and it used the the award used to be a bust of his head, and it, it was until like f- less than five years ago, I think. And that is after multiple people of color have won the award. The person I used to follow her on Twitter um, around this time, I think, um, Nedia Korfor, who has written, um, she writes a lot of short stories. Uh, she wrote. Oh, there's some book of hers. I can't remember if it's a Kata Death Witch or if it's um, a different one that is being adapted for HBO. Or at least it was, and I think like George R. R. Martin was like producing it. Um, she has won the award, and she kind of like wrote a blog post, which if I can find it, I'll include in the description of the podcast. But it was really interesting like seeing what she had to say about it and her thoughts on it. Um, and I think she was being very generous when she said that, like, she was happy to have his head because it meant that he had to look at her all day, knowing that she had won it. Um, I think that's very nice of her, but I, I think... That's pretty baller. I mean... <laughs> um, now it's like a tree. There's like a sun setting into the crook of a tree. It's a very cool looking uh, design now. Still named after him, though, so kind of kind of hard to get away from that. Well, and I know there is great, like especially Stephen King is a great example. Um, just reading stuff that he said about what got him into this kind of stuff. I think that he talked about his father. One of the first like horror things that he got his hands on was a collection of H.P. Lovecraft stories mm-hmm. that his father gave him. Um, and so obviously, it's, I mean, it's hugely influential. And, yep. Um, and it's, uh, which is weird, because it's like, it's hugely influential, but I, like, I feel like, like, I could put to use someone from around that time, I'm pretty sure, like Edgar Allan Poe. Like, I can... Edgar Allan Poe, I think, is a little before. A little before. Lovecraft is, like, early 1900s. Right. He's late 1800s. Yep. Poe. Well, still. It's... Yep. I'm counting it. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see where his influences still have. Like, I, you can see that. And I still... Like, I, don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, H.P. Lovecraft stuff sits in a weird place where it kind of falls into um, public domain and kind of doesn't. Pretty much, there was at some point where pretty much every, um, well, so a lot of people have ripped off Cthulhu and, like, 
eldritch horror being so impossibly large and cosmic our puny human minds can't comprehend it uh world of warcraft has done it i know other people have done it and they all kind of use the same name naming schemes of like um yog so thoth i think is one and cthulhu and a few others like just kind of weird th sounds and things like that um shoggoths is one that's used a lot too um D has cthulhu as like an official deity in their multiverse basically mm. you can choose him he's technically a great old one um which is i think similar to how he's described in uh lovecraft um but so actually one thing i forgot about one interaction you've had with lovecraft is one of the times when me and my brother were getting into D&D, before we knew what D&D really was in terms of, like, real rules. We just knew you roll a d20 and you add a modifier and right. you play a game. Um, you and my brother sat in on a game that I DM'd for just you two, in which you played a rat person, I think, and Newt played something else I can't remember. But in the multiple places I listed that you could go to, I, I listed Innsmouth as one of them oh. because I had just read it for the class. And I was like, there's a good quick like thing they can do. They can go to the place, meet the creepy people, fight them or whatever, and then leave. That sort of thing. I did not know this, but I was tapping into a long tradition of role-playing games using Cthulhu as the setting for an adventure. Um, like D&D has one, um, in the, if you've played 5th edition in Ghosts of Saltmarsh, uh, there's a Innsmouth-like town adventure that's based on an earlier one. Um, there's actual Cthulhu RPGs. Um, Call of Cthulhu is a very popular one. It's actually the most popular role-playing game in Japan. Um, in America, it's D&D. In Japan, it's Call of Cthulhu, which is interesting. Um. That I have heard of. I've, I've seen Mm-hmm. At least. Some oh yeah, you 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 sent me yeah one of those yeah. actual plays yeah, um and yeah just a uh, games like Delta Green and stuff deal with stuff that's very much connected to this idea of ancient beings and insanity and things that are unknowable. When people talk about like Lovecraft's influence, they usually talk about how he uses horror not in terms of like gore and things like that, but in terms of like you can't know it like he the the person who's writing the story has seen something so terrible they can't tell you they can only tell you by like inferring how terrible it is um and usually they've gone mad or they've killed themselves and you're reading their like notes or something mm. like that so that's been used a lot um by a lot of people i didn't get to any of those like kind of famous stories i did touch into it um I read one of them, Dagon, um, where a person is marooned. They're, they're, they 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 get uh, they they get lost at sea, and then they um, land on this strange land formation that they can't describe. And then they find like a statue or something I can't quite remember, and they go mad. And then they're rescued and they're put in an insane asylum. That sort of thing. So there's a lot of stuff. I know that the different great old ones interact with each other in some way. I don't understand it. I never really reached any of those. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know if he was officially saying like, oh, this is all one verse, but it's very easy to see like, oh, this is the same 
world. It operates on the same rules. And those rules are, as far as I can understand, humanity is currently living in a very strange time of civilization and order, and it didn't used to be like that, and it's probably not going to be like that in the future. So this kind of plays into like the racism and stuff where that I was talking about seeing into his mind. So this is me talking about it. I've not read any papers. I've not read any like think pieces on this. This is just me saying what I think. Off the dome. Hot takes off the dome right here. To me, so like the one I mentioned about the Eskimo, that that short story was just about a watchman for an ancient civilization on the North Pole who is standing guard and then some magic happens to him where he falls asleep for thousands of years and he wakes up um and when before he falls asleep he talks about guarding against these i'm going to talk about very racist stereotypes these strange little yellow men Uh yep uh and their evilness and all these things and he and then he falls asleep he wakes up and he his civilization is gone um, and then, um, there are these people where I can't remember. Somehow he gets, he gets involved with some other people and finds out the Eskimo still exist because the Eskimo were those tiny little yellow people. That's like kind of the big reveal at the end of the, that's the twist at the end of the short story is that there used to be this great and beautiful civilization and now they're gone and all that's left are the ugly non-whites that used to live there. And they're, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's one of those that's like pretty explicitly like, this is, this is like about race and, um, that sort of thing. But it's also like that in other stories that don't focus so much on that, where, um, I, I, I can't think of specific stories. Basically there's that through line, um, where, okay. So yeah, going, going back to like the, the, the Appalachian story. Mm-hmm. The way he describes the man, talking about how this person is white, but they went into the forest, and they've been there so long, they've regressed so far. To me, that, like, is pretty, uh, like, just, that's just him saying whiteness and civilization are the same thing. Like, if you're in civilization, you are smart, and you are orderly, and you are mentally uh, above, and then when you go into the forest... You leave civilization behind. You also leave, like, your intelligence and essentially your race behind as well. Because he'll talk about complexions on white people. Um, he will... Th- well, there's a, one of the short stories is about... It's it's It was one of the worst ones I had read. Um, it's from the point of view of a street in a city that begins very nice and vibrant. And there are nice people in the neighborhood. And then factories come up and all these immigrants move in and there are bombings and the and the end of the story is the street physically choosing to collapse the houses and kill the people living in it because they're going to go protest or in his words riot i mean it's his story i guess if we're following the rules of what he says goes they're rioting and uh i i had to look up that story and it's about russian immigration um so no slobs either. So he's really a yeah. uh, an, 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 a real analog of uh, if, if you're a fan of community Pierce Hawthorne's dad, who's yes. just racist against everyone. Yes, <laughs> why well, you're practically Finns. 
<laughs> um, the unseasonably pale. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- that's really just what he's all about. The only time I read a story where a non-white person was portrayed in a positive light, um, he had plenty of like neutral ones. Neutral-ish, I should say, I guess. Like, there's a short story that's set in Mexico um, uh, that was, to my quick read, fairly uh, unoffensive or inoffensive. Um, but there was one that um, his love of cats outweighed his hatred of non-whites. And that was The Cats of Ulthar, in which it sets up this little village where... There, everyone knows. Don't let your cats out at night because the old mean man and woman who live in the the, the that house they'll kill your cat because they hate cats. And uh, it, that's just a thing that's known. And there's a trading caravan that comes through, and a dark-skinned boy loses his cat, and it's like, oh, shouldn't have let your cat out. And the kid goes out and he sings out. Stuff in a language nobody understands. And that night, all of the cats go out that night. And everyone's worried, oh no, they're going to like be killed. But everyone on their own is like, oh no, our cat left. But they don't know everyone else's cat left. And then they find out, oh, the cats returned. And they're all, they all seem very full. Um, so all the cats went and ate the uh, old couple that kills cats constantly. Ah. So that's the positive <laughs> portrayal of non-white people. Um I guess. He did like his cats, <laughs> so that's that's the only way he could think of humanizing. Well, they have cats, too. They must be all right. <laughs> <laughs> At least when it comes to pets. I feel like I could give more examples, but that's really just it. Civilization is the same thing as whiteness, is the same thing as intelligence. But when confronted with like the unknowable cosmos and like the, the ancient terrible things you will also, you'll be lost. And like it does, and in that way, it's kind of interesting where it doesn't matter if you're civilized or not, you're still kind of screwed. Um, but most of them don't quite get into that. It's kind of just a more general, like, here's a terrible thing. It, it comes from this ancient civilization. It's not that the civilization itself was terrible, although sometimes it is. It's more just like that ancient civilization knew about this terrible thing and it's been hidden and now we find it, and it, we're in a very similar situation. Um, of the 18 stories I read, I'd say I found nine of them interesting, and five of or four of them good. Um, like, I enjoyed them. Half of them were just kind of, like, there. They weren't especially great, or maybe they were bad, I don't remember. Um, the nine that I found interesting, some of them were... of. The, some of those nine were the, were the good. So the good are lumped in with the interesting. Gotcha. And then um, the, of the ones that were interesting but not good were stuff like that, the guy who goes to the insane asylum and seeing how he thinks about race. And I'm just like, okay, I think I understand you a little more now. Um, the ones I did like included Sweet Ermengarde, which was a parody of like i assume like pulp novels not pulp like not i i don't know how to describe it a parody of like oh the sweet young girl who is gonna get taken advantage of by the rich man and they have to save the farm and Mm. uh her 
young farmer who's just poor is going to go to the city and like figure something out that thing it was funny it's like it's a tale in five acts each act is like a page long and it's it's got literally a mustachio twirling (laughs) villain who like ties her to the train tracks that sort of thing that one was funny it was it was enjoyable um because it it was both like making fun of stuff and also putting his, his own twist on things that was like in like in the way that the the heroine is described as eighteen and she's been eighteen for like twenty years or something like that. Her makeup is like running and things like that. It doesn't so it's not quite the perfect story, but it that one was interesting. I, I legitimately laughed at the things that were happening in that one. Um there was the tomb, which was an interesting horror one, very much honestly it was kind of I, I'm not gonna go too deep into it. It think of the um oh what's that comic there's a japanese comic about these people who find holes in the shape of people and some of them are like this hole is for me and they go into the hole and they disappear um that sort of thing i i i I truly can't think of the the author i'm terribly sorry he's very well known uh it's the tale of something amagara fault something like that i can't remember um that one was interesting, but ima- imagine that, but instead it's like uh, rich New England people, <laughs> and it's in a tomb instead of a random fault in the rocks. Some of our worst people. Yeah. Um, there was a, this was more interesting than good. In fact, it was a quite bad story. There was a, well, yeah, it, it's an anti-alcohol story um, about old bugs, and the story is about a young man who comes into a bar and why he he knows the world he's he's a very worldly person he'll try some of this alcohol stuff and there's a old decrepit man in the corner who knew who once courted his that man's mother and it never worked out because he fell into drink and so he scares the kid off and it's it was it was that one was funny because it was so bad (laughs) um but it was interesting uh, and then there, there were others that were interesting, but I'm not going to go into them. I'm going to end on the temple, which was a story that I found incredibly interesting because you could almost read it as a critique. It almost reads like Lovecraft critiquing himself because the main character is a German submarine captain. And I believe this is before World War II. I can't remember. I think because I think he was writing. Yeah, because he was early 1900s. Pretty sure. Um, here, you have him up. When did he die? 1937. Yeah. So, so before World War II. Yeah. This is a World War One story. He's um, there in a submarine, and they they get in a fight or something happens, I can't remember, and they start sinking, and they can't rise back up. And they start seeing very strange things. And this main character, who you've got the vo- viewpoint of, he is the one who stays sane the longest, because... Well, I say he stays sane. Other people start going crazy. They have a statue. That's a very common thing. The statue starts making you crazy. Um, so he, uh, a couple people get shot. A couple people get thrown overboard. And the second to last person to die from him uh, sends himself out in the torpedo tube. Like, they're out, and he's just like, I'm going out. And he goes in the torpedo tube, and the captain, or I don't know if he's the captain, but he's like, okay. Sends him out. Fucking rad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
this story is happening, and the point of view is this German officer. And he talks a lot about his superior German heritage. And it reads, to me, like it's tongue-in-cheek. Like, we know that Germans are not superior. But I don't know if that's like a legitimate, like, oh, I mean, who cares if you're German or French? You're white. Or if it's like a legitimate, like, kind of pushing back on other stuff he's written about white people being better. It, it, it very much read to me like it, we're, we're not supposed to agree with him because the captain does some stupid stuff. The German does things that we, the audience, know are wrong because we've read other Lovecraft stuff. You should trust the people who say, we should leave this place. We shouldn't mess with this stuff. And he's like, it's not a big deal. That's superstition. And he pushes forward. German science has advanced. We know that this is not a big deal. We know that this statue is fine. <laughs> um, it's a little Austrian. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're both Germanic, so it's fine. Um, he, and he, so he goes down and he also is slowly kind of going crazy. It's kind of unclear. He sinks to the bottom of the ocean and he finds this temple. He goes out in a, like a scuba suit mm -hmm. a couple of times. And reports on what he sees. He sees stuff that kind of point to the larger Cthulhu-verse. And then when he's running out of air, he decides, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out. So the last thing, we're reading his journal. And he says, I'm going to go back into that temple. And I'm going to face what I couldn't go into before. And that's the end of it. Mm. Legitimately kind of an interesting story. Legitimately like an interesting viewpoint. And... It wasn't one note like a lot of the others were. A lot of the stories are like, there's a creepy thing going on. Let's go see the creepy thing. The creepy thing happened, and it's so awful, I can't tell you. I'm dead now. <laughs> and that's about it. And those get old after a while. Like, there's only so much of that you can take. And this one, like, it had, act it had more than one creepy thing going on. Different people go, like... It was stuff where, like, he's constantly rationalizing it as, like, basically cabin fever. Like, you're cramped in this submarine. People are going crazy. And you legitimately kind of can't tell how much of that is what's going on. There's a mutiny. They're probably not crazy. They probably think their captain is crazy for trying to stay calm in all of this situation. Um, and, and it kind of keeps evolving as it's going down. And the stuff about race that kind of keeps coming up, I kind of keep going back to... Because I, I, like, I said that, oh, is he critiquing himself? No, I really don't. I, I don't think he's actually, like, seeing the error of his ways and, 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 like, hmm, what if I'm making the same mistake as this German guy is? Maybe he is 100%. Yes, this German is the pinnacle of both racial and intellectual, like, prowess, and even he succumbs to the madness. That sort of thing. I don't know. But I'd say that one was the most interesting of them all. The Temple. If you're going to read any of them, read that one. I don't think I will read any more of these stories. Maybe, maybe eventually I'll, like, look up, oh, like, best Lovecraft stories. Find the best ones. Flip through them, find them, yeah. that sort of thing. But I really, I do not see myself not, just pushing through this thing. Not in the bag for Howard's other works. No, not really. I mean, I get that. Yeah. I mean, 
there's only so much you can take, and especially if on top of the racism, especially if it's like there's a lot of repetitive. And also, like I think if you compile any author's short stories, like all of them into one, there's gonna be a lot of you know. I mean, Stephen King is was well known for being a great mm-hmm. short story writer. Released many volumes of short stories that I've enjoyed. Yep. Uh, but they're you know they're hits and they're misses. They're you know <laughs> there are there are there are ones that aren't that aren't great. Yep. And there are you know great ones. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, if you're gonna read 900 pages of any of especially short stories because 900 pages of short stories is very different from a 900 page novel. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say they're longer. It feels longer or shorter. But it is very different. Mm-hmm. And if anything, the fact that he, they most of these stories were show, so short, 18 and 100 pages, that's practically five stories, five pages a story. That's super short. It I mean, really is. Yeah. But it still took me forever to get through. Like, I had to push myself to get to 100. At, when I hit my first 50, I was like, Okay, this is taking a bit longer than I thought. And then when I hit 100, I was like, this is taking me like two weeks. I'm not enjoying this. And I don't, I'm doing it for a podcast. I don't have to read this. And so I stopped. He wouldn't do it for you people. Not again. No. Uh, any thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I, I do wish that I was just had a little bit of a, working knowledge of 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 lovecraft just so i could interrogate some of the things that you said mm-hmm. a little bit more but as i am a i'm a person who knows close to nothing um i really i really don't don't think i have any i understand why you stopped and i i, I think like not really a comment about lovecraft but just like i think that having so many when you're reading like a novel that's like long, like you're you're no stranger to mm-hmm. long books. You've put down some long ones in your day, um, but there's something about the like the the narrative throughout that kind of pushes you through and helps. And I think mm-hmm. when you're constantly stopping and starting different things, it, I'm sure it's very easy to kind of get burnt out and just be like, yeah. If, if I was, if I found the Cthulhu mythos incredibly engaging, if I was like starting to piece things together, like oh, Dagon connects to Cthulhu, and, and this story connects to that sort of thing, I could see myself like gaining some traction with this. Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't. Partially, I think in some ways, I feel like I've been inoculated because so much of Lovecraft stuff has been like pilfered by other people. Um, Never mind his mythos, just like the way he writes. That sort of thing. The way he presents a story. Um, and the themes of his stories that I'm aware from classes I've taken. That that class I talked about where we kind of talked about Lovecraft bigger. Um, more, I should say. And just the stuff I know. Oh, he ta- he does unknowable horror. I, I kind of just felt like even after I'd read the first one, I get it. And then I read another one. It's like, yeah, I get it. I, I know... Howard, <laughs> I know you can't tell me how bad it is, but try. <laughs> I get it, dude. Yeah. To be fair, I also recently had quit listening to a horror podcast. Um, if anyone has listened to the Magnus Archives, they are short, like half hour long horror stories, basically. Ter- um, 
during like radio plays? Yeah. Well, so the presentation is that there's this Magnus Archives where they record stories and the way they know if it's a true story or just someone trying to tell a ghost story is if it doesn't record on digital if it records on tape it's a true story if it, if it's just static on digital then they have to go back and redo it um and i honestly i found and that one obviously has a lot of um Influences by Lovecraft and other writers. I don't remember who wrote The King in Yellow. That's another kind of like cosmic horror thing. Um, but those stories, I enjoyed when I started them. They were short. They were like 15, 20 minutes. Most, as like mo- most podcasts, as they get popular, they kind of like balloon a bit in size. But they never went past half an hour. And that's really like, <laughs> I, re- I listen to some long podcasts. I really appreciate the short ones. And... I just kind of got sick of that one. I have like this long rotation of podcasts. I'm only listening to an episode. Not even, I, I wasn't even listening to one every, I have a rotation of six podcasts. And in the slot where I jump back and forth between my brother, my brother and me and hello from the magic tavern. So whenever they, those both put out one episode a week. So once I've gotten through those two episodes and I've come back around, I'll hit the Magnus archives. And even then, I was like 40-some episodes in, I was Dragon. I was like, I get it. Yeah. I know it. Even though I find a lot of their stuff very interesting. If you're into horror, like if, if... I think part of it is like... I mean, I read like a lot of fantasy. There are a lot of tropes in fantasy I know, and when they come up, I just sort of know them. But they don't bother me the same way they do with other stories, like say, a murder mystery or a, um, or a horror story. Um... So fantasy is the the genre I like, and I kind of see past the like tropes a little bit more. I like when they're original, but a lot of them are still tropey. To me, like I was getting sick of the, that horror podcast, and then I start reading this Lovecraft, which is similar to it. I almost said aping. It wasn't. It's still. It's good in its own right, um, but I think that kind of lethargy I was reaching with that kind of spilled over. So just wasn't right for me second hour no i get it i completely get it and i think that you're you're well within your right and well thank you you're welcome all right so if that is it and i think it's it (laughs) next time uh it will be me again it will be next year well if if this episode comes out in 2021 it's next year. If it comes out in 2022, hopefully it will be coming around shortly. Um, <laughs> the it, next episode will be recorded in the year 2022. And yes. we are in the year 2021. When you are hearing this, is anyone's guess. It will be me again. Uh, Tim needs to uh, get cracking, uh, get, get in the grind set. I had an accident and I forgot half the letters. So I know 13 letters, and I got to learn the other ones. So, so for five cents a day, less than a cup, uh, a cup of coffee, you can... Uh, you can sponsor this poor... You can sponsor a letter. Half a literate boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, next time I will be talking about a, another pulpy uh, writer... Uh, Fritz Lieber, or Lieber, I don't know how to say his name. I'm going to be reading uh, Fofford and the Grey Mouser, uh, a contemporary of Conan the Barbarian. Ooh. So 
that will be interesting, and that will be next year. And I think that is it. Uh, Tim, do you remember the podcast well enough to know who to thank? Well, we want to thank, first of all, listeners like you. <laughs> thank you. Also, we want to thank... Mm, it's an artist. Yes. It's something about a fighting pose. Yeah, that is the song. And some kind of strange fighting pose. His strange fighting pose, yes. So, oh, oh. You know what? Why don't you, why don't you just take it this time? You know, Tim, I, I think what you were trying to say is that we'd like to thank Velt Punch. Velt Punch for their song, His Straight... No! All right, just take it. His song, their song, Fighting Pose. Fighting Pose from the album, His Strains Fighting Pose. Thank you, guys. You're great. Yes. One day, <laughs> I'll have you over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, completely off topic. I still, every once in a while, think about the time, almost well, more than three years ago at this point, where uh, Emily convinced me, just email them. Just see what they have to say. I was like, oh, okay. And then they responded and said yes. And I'm all they said yes. Eternally grateful. Um, also, check us out on Twitter. I've been figuring out how to make those cool uh, animated, like, audiogram things for this. That's been fun. Share them if you would like, if you find them interesting. He's putting in the work, folks. Yeah. Um, but I think that is it. So, until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.